What's up, guys? All right, you're listening to another episode of the Good Vibes Only Show. This is fun. This is a new segment that's starting on our show. I'm pretty excited because I'm getting to do it with my best boy, Mr. Robert Johnson. This new segment's going to be coming to you guys every single Monday, and we are calling this segment The Deep End. Now, we're calling this segment The Deep End because we're going to be talking a lot about, you know, mindset, um, life training all different kinds of things really it's just a fun time for he and i to talk but also to robert and i have gone through a lot of the same battles and journeys over the last three or four years um, in different parts of our life and honestly outside of my wife and his fiance miranda like we've gone through a lot of this together and we've shared a lot of these ups and downs and we've both really grown and um he's somebody i can really do consider uh one of my best friends and i'm excited to not only to get to share our conversations but for you guys to really get to learn and know more about him and a lot of the great 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 things that uh rob has to offer you guys so i hope you guys find the fun in this but also find the lesson and everything we have to talk about because your boy be dropping some bombs and sharing a lot of deep shit and we're going to drag you guys to the deep end with us. Hopefully you can swim and you don't drown. So enjoy this episode, guys and girls. What up? What's up? <laughs> What's up, my dude? Uh, not a whole lot. So we're recording already, but... Um, Perfect. So, okay. Uh, first things first, peoples that are going to listen to this, you're tuning into the Good Vibes Only show. This is going to be a fun new addition to the show, but also a fun new uh, reoccurring addition to kind of the whole series. But you've got myself and my new co-host, Mr. <laughs> Rob Johnson, <laughs> on the phone. Uh, what AKA up? A.K.A. Zaddy, A.K.A. Mr. Still Your Girl, A.K.A. <laughs> the Angry Therapist, mega fan. Um, <laughs> what's up, dude? Uh, not much. Just drawing a warthog. What's up with you? <laughs> uh, my sister is getting ready to move. Uh, she's headed to Uganda uh, in like a, two weeks. So I was helping her pack up some stuff and my dad's helping her move um, this weekend and everything. So and then my brother's moving back home too. So just kind of getting them all situated. How's your Sunday going? Uh, do, doing good. Me and Miranda just chilling, drawing. We uh, got some coffee this morning. Got a little aerobic flow session this morning. And then now just kind of kicking it in the meantime. Sweet. Um, all right. So for people that are tuning in, you guys are witness to the groundbreaking first episode of The Deep End. The uh, Deep End. So for most people who have probably, if you've ever been around me and Robert, uh, you know that there's no like shallow end of the pool when it comes to the shit we talk about. But a lot of times too, I feel like you and I, like we get we get to the bottom of a lot of meaningful conversations, but we also we've also grown a lot together over the last few years, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, definitely a lot of growing and a lot of crying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's been some been some tears, been some anger, some frustration, but uh, I feel like outside of a few other people in my life, like you and I, have kind of pushed each other back and forth the most over the last couple of years. Oh, absolutely. I feel out of anyone in my life, I feel like you've been the biggest mentor to come and go throughout the past two, three, three, four years now? How long has it been? It's been three years. We're going to be creeping up on four next summer, I think. Oh, shit. Four years almost. That's crazy. Jeez man. Louise. Um, 
for people who are listening though, what are you what are you hoping that people get out of these episodes the most? Uh, I'm hoping to share some knowledge, drop some free gems, uh, give you guys kind of like an insight into myself and Michael's relationship and what Ruthless and the Deep End is all about. Yeah, I agree. Um, today's episode is mainly going to be Robert and I. We're going to kind of be talking a little bit about more so Robert's journey uh, over the last couple of years as a person, but we're going to kind of be talking about, you know, what this podcast or what this episode, these episodes are going to be a lot about is that everything from, you know, identity as people to identity and society to, um, you know, where we are as vulnerability stands in, you know, the social spectrum for men and, and a little bit about women as we both have strong women in our lives and stuff like that. But then just getting into everything and anything that kind of swim swims to the deep end no i'm saying yeah i feel you i feel you (laughs) yeah no for you uh so where you know for people who maybe don't know a ton about you where where are you located what do you do and then um what's your favorite favorite thing to do once a day besides jerk off Besides jerk off. Um, favorite thing to do besides jerk off. I'm going to save that one for the end. Uh, so right now, me and uh, my fiance, Miranda, Miranda D. Mark, moved to Houston, Texas about three months ago, four months ago now. So March 1st, we got down here and I picked up a position of head coach at CrossFit Zeke and kind of dove into all their corporate wellness. So about three classes per day with a corporate location called Cedrils of America. So running their kind of like directing the corporate wellness program over there. And then I've just been kind of taking the brunt load of coaching CrossFit classes at the Zeke headquarters as well. Sweet. What's, how's that been for you so far? Uh, it was a little, little crazy at first. Took out about 26 hours of coaching per week. So I was kind of burning out towards the last few weeks here, but then kind of got to revamp everything and reschedule how I was working. So I've got a few days to myself and my lady and my two ladies actually. Miranda and Nova. So kind of starting to catch my breath a little bit and, but enjoying the CrossFit Z community and enjoying the different feel through corporate wellness and the general fitness place of a CrossFit gym. It's been really interesting to kind of see how the two, the two different gyms coexist and run essentially. Yeah. Kind of how you have like, you know, a common community, but with definitely, you know, a, culmination of definitely different different types of people um you know and for, exactly. for anybody who's maybe never coached at a gym that's listening or anything like that like 20 you think in your head well 26 hours that's not a lot well 26 hours of coaching a week means more like 40 to 50 hours a week worth of like emotional kind of support because you're the emotional support slash emotional hype man for a group of adults <laughs> you know for 26 hours in a week can be uh can be a lot so for you you know where where did you've you've been a part of crossfit a lot like for you you know you came from wrestling in high school and then football a little bit into college and everything and then um you got into crossfit because your brother opened the gym and you started kind of helping him but for you like when did you really start to make the connection between coaching and like people like when, when did that when was kind of like your first moment where maybe you started to realize where coaching was more about the person than it was about the thing. 
Um, that's a good question. That's a real good question. Honestly, I think when I first started making that connection is when I started coaching up at North Fit Creamery, aka CrossFit Fort Atkinson with Jeb and Meg. I think I was kind of in the realm of, oh, I'm going to show these people all these all this knowledge I have. And I'll be like, oh, hinge here, do this, squat here, knees out, chest up, butt down, you know, like kind of super amped up about all that. And in the big scheme of things, people don't give a fuck how much knowledge you know if you don't care. Sure. So that's probably like the biggest part for me because I was like trying to like teach these people all these things and they just they didn't seem to understand or didn't seem to want to understand or had no interest in listening to me. And I think it was just because I wasn't creating that human to human connection first. I wasn't being like, Hey, how are you doing? How was your weekend? How are your kids? How is, how's, how's the knee? How's all this stuff going on in your life? I was just trying to like sell myself before even like showing them that I'm like an actual human. If that makes sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. And for you at that point in your life, like where were you kind of with like your own self-worth and your own self-happiness kind of at that point in your life? Uh, not very happy. A hundred percent. It was, you're an athlete and you've always been an athlete. And if you're not good at the sport you're doing, you're trash for the most part. What do you feel like that did for you as a person? Um, it definitely one, like isolated me a hundred percent. And just overall as a person, it made me have very, very random bouts of anger for the most part. I would be so frustrated because a training session wouldn't go well and I would let it kind of go into the next day and the next day and be all butthurt because I couldn't hit a snatch or something like three days ago. It's like realistically in the big grand scheme of thing, things in like four or five years, I'm not going to care on June 2nd of 2014 <laughs> whether or not you hit a 205 snatch. Right. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter in the big picture of things. But at the time it was – very very immature of me in my mentality towards training and towards anything like if my my self-worth was if i'm better than you and like fitness i'm just overall better than you and that was kind of my route and how like for you like what did that do to like the relationships around you uh it made people definitely resent me i treated people very very poorly in a lot of situations i kind of dismissed people i just didn't think my their time or my time was worth anything to them or flip that I didn't, I didn't respect people and I kind of started stepping on toes and undermining people and being like, well, what do you know? Like, you know, nothing like you're not even like good at like this fitness stuff or anything like that. So sure. it was, it was kind of just a very chip on my shoulder mentality. Like, fuck all of you, like try to keep up essentially was what it was. And for you, like, <clears throat> do you feel like in those situations or when you're kind of stuck in that, that place in your life, like like for people that maybe are listening who are maybe stuck in some sort of that now, is that, is that a really social place or is that a really lonely place to be? It is super, super lonely. It is lots of nights eating turkey burgers with peanut butter and corn tortillas on the couch by yourself. (laughs) 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 Like it was, it was lots of weekends just kind of inside at home not really hanging out with any friends because all your friends were enjoying life drinking doing this and that and you you just you thought like i thought i was better than them i'm like oh you guys can't handle like a one weekend away from alcohol i'm I'm better than you like essentially is what it was and for you like you know obviously for many people who maybe don't know a ton about you outside of fitness you know 
when you know the things the shit that we've talked about is that we you know when we've talked about like where does this come from as kids where does it come from as men like all this kind of stuff like you know share a little bit about for you because a lot of this anger and resentment has kind of stemmed from a lot of things in your past as far as needing or not needing other people like when you kind of started to dive into that where did you kind of find that a lot of this mentality came from um definitely definitely the first five years of life uh me miranda and you as obviously as well have been going back and forth about erickson's foundational um, development and stuff like that and so the Mm. first five years of my life was very very uh traumatic so i was raised by a single mother in a hectic household where my grandmother and aunt at the time made you kind of feel like shit and would guilt trip you if you did something they didn't see right so i saw my mom who was 18 at the time like struggling with that and like keeping her mouth shut with everything and it was just very, very hard to trust people. And we were constantly walking on eggshells for about the first five years of life. So, I mean, having that and just kind of, I think I've kind of carried that with me as to just how I am in general. Like I'm very, very, I don't know what the term would be. I'm very, very intense. Yeah, I would say so. You're, you're intense, but you're also cautious at, a, at the same time. Very, you know what you want, but you're very aware of what, what does and doesn't rock the boat at the same time. Yeah, I'm very, very much a peacemaker is what we've kind of kind of figured it out. So a lot of times in situations when I was younger, like people would be screaming or fighting and I would kind of just either try to see both sides and kind of help us come to like amends or I would just kind of like sit on the stairs and like cover my ears and just pretend nothing's happening and go into like my inner sanctum and kind of just that's how I kind of coped with stuff. I would either shut down or run away or just clam up and not say anything to shut everything out. And that's kind of where... I think a lot of stuff is stemmed from. And do you think that a lot of that, like, do you think a lot of that, you know, as you got older, you know, like for you, like, where did, where did you kind of carry a little bit of that? Almost in a way, it can kind of feel like I'm a a responsibility. I'm sure like, especially when you're, you know, feeling like you're trying to always do the best thing for your mom. But as you came into older, like high school years, like what did that kind of start to build for you as a person? and, And how did you kind of, how did your identity kind of form around around that? I think the biggest thing was I took a lot of value in if I'm useful to someone, that mm. means I'm important. I means I'm important. Sure. So it was like very much, hey, if I can help this person and kind of dig them out of their hole, that means I have some sense of worth and that I'm accomplished in life and I'm a good person. Or if I know? can put points on the board, all that kind of stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I think that I think too, you know. I think that was something for me when I was from zero to five was a lot of my dad really still in the thick of his bodybuilding career, you know, and it was, it was one of those things where, you know, you watch somebody who's making a lot of sacrifices, like you're saying with what they're eating and what they're doing to their body. You know, I remember a lot of days where like just my dad was just straight up fucking hangry because he was, you know, in peak week for a show and he's, you know, six percent body fat eating fucking dry rice and boiled chicken like with you know still trying to and just a lot of like you're saying a lot of walking on eggshells and things like that and i think i noticed that for me i I feel like for me it carried in a way as i got older a little differently where i think for me where i started to get really judgmental of people is when i saw people like fall apart really easily when something would happen to them that like did or didn't go right it's like well 
dude, like, what, like, what does it matter? Like, we'll just get, like, just deal with it, you know? And yeah. And, and I think a lot of times when, for me, it was, I was kind of the same thing, not so much like trying to find worth for people, but it's like where I saw the thing is like, if you can't contribute something to me, like what, what use are you, you know, kind of watching my dad go through that. Like if, well, if, if you can't contribute something to my performance right now, like it just get out of, get out of the way. Cause I have other things to focus on. And I think that as I grew older and I saw this a lot, now that I look back at it, I see this a lot of myself in like my third through like fifth grade years. Cause I would remember that I had a couple of like friends that I grew up with that like I knew since birth. And then like, I remember, I remember Eric, Alex and Gary were their names and they were Alex, Alex Johnson and Gary Williams were my two best friends. And I remember one day, this would have been on like third, maybe third grade. Yeah. Third grade. And we were on the playground and we had this new kid that had come to our school. His name was Stevie Johnson and I played basketball and Stevie Johnson had transferred to another school because I went to a private school and his, his family had gotten a scholarship because of their income and he got to come to the school and he was just like a stud basketball player. And like it was, it, I was the, I was a point guard on our, on our team until he had come to the school and he just like ran circles around me. Granted we're in third grade. So how good is anybody really? At basketball? <laughs> really? But, you know, like it was like, it was the difference of like, I could handle the ball really well in third grade, but this dude came in and he could cross over and do shit like that it's like well okay well whatever we're in third grade but i still remember that (laughs) sticking to me and and just being like he took he took away he took away everything that like i was on the team even though i was just a kid but it still sticks with me to this day and so i think a lot of like that has come to me and into fruition of where a lot of in my young early young adult years like it's like well if you don't have something to offer me you're only holding me back and somebody else is going to get ahead of me because you're slowing me down. And I treated a lot of people like that, a lot of relationships, you know, well, if you're not 100% fulfilling me in my relationship, you know, it's your responsibility to fulfill me in my relationship. And if you're not doing that, like peace out or, or I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, find somebody else, uh, you know, and then when somebody else is better for me, I'm going to, you know, leave you. And I just like burn bridge after bridge after bridge until like you're saying a lot of lonely nights, sitting at home in my apartment being like, man, I've accomplished all this shit and I'm really good at all this stuff, but nobody fucking cares. And how do you, how do you think that mentality, like as of right now, how do you think that has helped you and almost, and also like hindered you in the past few years with relationships? Cause I know you've had a lot of, a lot of big things happen in the last year, let alone two years. Yeah. I think that for me it was, you know, I finally kind of hit a position in my life where I was rock bottom where it's like, I was in in really good shape. I was crushing, you know, the career that I had at the moment. I was, you know, um, really making, jumping up the the ranks really fast. I was doing a lot of really good stuff. I was kind of crushing everything. But then the more and more, it's like I realized that less and less as I got older, less and less people cared about those types of things. And they want to see less of who you are as an individual, but more of what you contribute to society. And I remember... Um, my breaking point actually was I was engaged and, um, the person I was engaged to at the time ended up coming out to me and saying that, you know, they had been cheating on me, but it was like, they were also coming out as, as, you know, that they were, you know, realizing for the first time in their life that they were, you know, gay. And and it was something where it's like, I had so much anger I wanted to have towards this person 
but I couldn't because that person was being true to themselves at the same time. And so it was like, it was this weird point in my life. And I remember my supervisor at work gave me two days off when that had happened. And I remember sitting in my apartment, like literally, I literally sat, it was sitting in my apartment floor. I had been bawling my eyes out. Like, why the fuck does this happen? Like, I'm I, like, I deserve so much better than this. I work my ass off. I'm fucking better at everything that I do than everyone around me at work and all these things. And, and it was one of those moments where I realized it's like, nobody, nobody cares. Like nobody, nobody cares 100% what you're doing for yourself. If it's not contributing to the world in a way. And that's when I really had to like, let go of years, years of hatred and years of this like weird, it was like almost this weird catalyst to like the bottle popping off to all this I had resentment I had built up. And then after that, I like started to like kind of go out of my comfort zone. Like I was some person where I never went out alone. I always went out with a group of friends and I started with breaking out to like doing things on my own and just like putting myself out there to meet new people, you know, start going on like dates and things like that. And then what it started to show me is that everybody around, there's so many people in the world that A, are going through the same shit you're going through. So why is your story any worse than anybody else's? But B, it also made me realize that, yeah, I had spent all this time being really good at what I was doing, but I wasn't sharing it in a way that added value to anybody else's life, but my own, not my family's, not the people around me. It was very selfish. And so that's when I was still like, man, okay, like there's something, there's something actually real to, to, to doing this. And that's when I really started to peel back that, I think that skin that I had built up and leading up till now, it's like now when I look at that stuff and even when I'm looking at things in my marriage or my business or working with you guys as coaches or, or people as clients, it's like, yeah, I know that I'm really, really, really good at what I do. And I'm probably one of the best people out there at it. And I'm not afraid to say that, but I'm not afraid to say that now in a way that I know part of what makes me really good is the technical side of who I am. But what makes me the best at what I am is that I, I am able to see it in a way that contributes to people for people. And it's for the betterment of the individual, not just the betterment of the item. And I think that that's really what a lot of that pain brought to me is like literally sitting on the floor of my apartment, crying, going, shit like nobody's calling me to see how how i'm doing other than my family because nobody else gives a shit because i've cut myself off from everyone because i thought i was better than everybody you know and so i think that today so what that does to me now is is the biggest thing that allows me to do is see that those different attributes in other people so it helps me cut through people's bullshit but helps me cut through people's bullshit in a way that goes hey man like what's really going on let's talk about it and then you know, those people are so lonely in, in their own way that someone finally reaching out in a real way offers me an ability to connect with them and then in turn makes my business better because then there's more depth to my business because people don't feel like I'm just selling the same thing as the guy down the street. And, you know, it allows me to have relationships with like you guys and everybody else on our team and has helped us grow into like a real group of people that is for the betterment, not only of ourselves, but of the individuals around us. And you know, that's kind of led us to where we're at today. And then that's a really roundabout way of getting to that point. But I would say that that's what that pain and that's what all that kind of brought me to, Mm. you know, do you think, so with all that, with all the hatred and all that stuff you kind of had built up, do you think you've kind of suppressed that and gotten rid of it? Or do you think you've kind of shifted it into a better, 
a better use of that energy? Like, how do you think you've handled that so far? And like nowadays, how do you? Yeah, I, I think for a while I definitely suppressed it because what would happen and then like some of the circumstances you were mentioning that I've gone through in business, like I would suppress those thinking that, hey, this is just me. It's my own problem. Like it's these are things that were in the past me. I just need to suppress it and kind of deal with it and let people be people. But then what would happen is, is because I wouldn't express myself you know, in a timely manner, in a healthy manner that was maybe uncomfortable, but still needed to be done, then it forced me to blow up on people or, you know, people that had offered me great opportunity in business, you know, to blow up on them and belittle them and or think that, well, again, kind of the same scenario, but in a different way, maybe I'm better than them. And then once I got to the point where it's like, well, suppressing this is only making it worse, but in a different way. Then I finally had to get to a point, and it was actually because of Jade. When I remember one time, um, I can't remember. I can't really really remember what it was. I don't remember if we were on a date or we were hanging out at home or something. But it was early on when we were dating, and she was just like, "Oh, we had run into somebody we knew, I think." And someone's like, "Man, I can't believe you're dating this guy." Jokingly, I can't believe you're dating this guy. This guy's an asshole. And we were like, oh, you know, but then I was like, I think Jade could tell him it was bothering me later on. And she's, you know, we talked about it and she's like, well, she's like, well, no, you are like, you are an asshole. And I was like, well, what do you mean by that? She's like, she's like, you're just, you're, you're smart and you have all these things going for you, but you kind of are just, you're just mean to people. Um, and in my head, how eye opening was that for you? Well, it was eye opening in a way because I had gone from just being outright mean to people, like walking up to someone and be like, dude, you fucking suck at your job, fucking get your shit together, to just being quiet and being mm. more somber. Or at least in my mind at the time, I thought, well, I'm just being more somber. I'm keeping my thoughts to myself. I'm staying in my own lane. But I guess externally, that made me just like not seem friendly, not seem like I was enjoying a conversation with somebody because in my mind, I would like, small talk with someone be like yeah uh-huh. but in my mind i'm like fuck i fucking hate small talk like this is such bullshit like get oh, get out of my face like i don't want to talk to you but i would just kind of be like yeah mm-hmm, yeah like yeah good, yep okay cool yep 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 and it's like jade jade told me she's like you always seem like you just are in a rush and you don't want to talk to these people and i'm like oh you know and so i had to finally change that so like you know she was just she was so good and is so good at just kind of creating conversations in a meaningful way to everybody that I started to be like, well, maybe, maybe if I just try to listen to people more than I try to talk, maybe I'll actually hear something from someone. And then maybe there's something that that somebody's telling me that I can help them with and vice versa. And so, yeah, that was definitely eye opening for me in a way that was like, man, maybe instead of just worrying about what I can contribute to people at a, at a first shotgun shot or a glance, maybe I just first need to listen to people and then once I actually listen to people, instead of just assuming I know what they need, I can really listen to what they need and then decide if I can actually help them or not. And I think that's when it really transitioned. And I saw it. I started making way better connections with community of people I was working with. I started to slowly become someone that people constantly were a sounding board for or they were somebody that like always were like, Hey, can you look at this? Hey, can you help me with this? Not even things just in the gym, just a bunch of other things. And that's when I really started to see, man, maybe if I just really treat other people as if they're just as broken as me and I can share that brokenness, like I can make something happen. That's where, like I've said that to Miranda before, like broken people heal broken people. And I think that was probably about, probably about two and a half years ago when I came to that realization. And it's only, it's only 
been upward since. So I think that was kind of like the big shift for it, you know. Mm. But, and I know that you've gone along a lot through that. Like, I know we talked about, you know, when, you know, when you kind of made the transition from Fort Atkinson to other places for you, like for you, like when was the moment that you kind of came to that realization that you had to shift not only the way, cause for you, it's been trust, you know, we, and we've talked about mm-hmm. that a lot. You just like, you just assume people always have bad intentions until they prove you otherwise, you know, like for you, when, when did that shift and what was kind of the breaking point that had to start to force you to see things the other way? Honestly, I think, I think that that catalyst happened to be when I was actually let go from CrossFit Fort Atkinson, when uh, I had to sit there with Jeb and Meg, tears in my eyes, tears in their eyes. And there's like, Hey, like, we love you, but we have to let you go because of this, 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 and this. And like, they're like, we hope this is the best thing for you. Like, we love you, like take care of yourself. And I think that was one of the hardest pills for me to swallow that like two of the people that had helped me and influenced me and given me unconditional love from the get go and had come to me and been like, Hey, we want you to coach for us. They're like, Hey, we're not liking what you're doing. So you need to change that. And that kind of kicking the ass, like I struggled with that for weeks and months and just Mm -hmm. beat myself up about it. And just, I, I couldn't, I couldn't even look myself in the face with that kind of stuff. It was just, it was so hard to like see them who me not having a father, like Jeb basically almost sitting in that father role for me, like seeing the disappointment in his face and his eyes in that situation just shook the shit out of me. And when you walked away from that, like obviously you and I talked a lot through that situation, but when you walked away from that, like where, where did the walls start to break down for you that you realized that as easy as it was to blame other people, you knew that you couldn't anymore. Like what, where did that, where did you start to make that shift and how, how did you have to find, find ways out of that and what, and what kind of brought you out of that? I, th- I think similar to what you had to do, I kind of had to just take everything. I had to start assuming that people were coming from a positive place, assuming positive intent assuming that hey like maybe i can learn something from this person or maybe i have like this person has something similar in common with me so i just kind of i had a shift and kind of drop my ego and just learn to listen again mm-hmm. essentially like what you're saying like i would i would be kind of the same scenario people would come talk to me they'd be like oh this 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 and this i'm like oh yeah no that's wrong 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 no i don't want to i don't i don't want to talk about this wrong. like sorry like okay like oh yeah wrong it's like okay you think that's you think that's the case i'm like you're an idiot like it was a hundred percent i just i just didn't care and i was such an asshole and if you like you oh, i don't know i was just i was just such a such a negative dude in that in that respect with like with just people i just i just didn't care because similar to how you said it didn't it didn't benefit me in that moment so it's like why the hell should i care right why should I even go about dealing with that? And I think a lot of stuff that kind of helped me see through that is just kind of digging into my past and digging into childhood trauma and like seeing like, why the hell do I do all this? Cause it's a lot of self-sabotaging behavior mm-hmm. behavior. It's like, why do you bring these people and just keep everyone at arm's distance? Like, why do you let nobody in? Sure. And I think that was the the hardest question because it took me years to answer that and i'm still struggling answering that question Mm -hmm. to this day like i still have struggles of letting anyone come closer than arm's distance like i'm smile smiling go lucky like happy super positive all the all the time but on the inside it's not necessarily so nice and sunshine sure 
And when, you know, and, and for you, like what, what kind of allowed you in a way to not only, obviously you identified it and you started to come to the reality of it. What helped you kind of start to manifest those types of things and shifting that? What, what helps you manifest that shift into action for you? Um, honestly, journaling helped me a ton, just kind of writing down about like, like researching stoicism and writing down about like my daily reflection and seeing like what was going right, what was going, what could be better, who did I want to become, like trying to just manifest that and speak that out into the universe. Like, okay, you want to be this big, great thing. Well, how do we do that? What's step one? What's step one? And that's like, I think that was the biggest thing is just it's like tricking yourself and going to the gym. It's like, okay, I'm going to put my shoes on. Okay, I'm going to put the key in the car. Like, okay, I'm starting the car. It's kind of like baby step after baby step after baby step because there's a quote or something I posted the other week. It's like people look back at the past and want to change one small thing to change their present, but people won't do the one small thing today to change their future. Mm-hmm. And I think that is super, super huge when it comes to changing or doing anything. It's just the fact that you have to do something to start and not just sit there and say, Oh, woe is me. And I think that for a lot of people that, you know, we, I I think the thing that's so weird about change and and pain is that we, you know, we, we, we don't, we don't think all the time that we're being so woe is me because we just think that we're in hurt, we're in pain. And, you know, and and you could take that a lot of different ways. I think that a lot of people, I don't even know. I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people I identify with pain as something that, well, I just need to grieve. I need to go through it, which there there's, there's truth to that. But I think also, you know, part of like the grief process, you know, if you go like, there's that, what is it? There's like the seven steps of, of grief. And like, uh, first parts like denial, then anger or something. I think then it's anger. Then it's like blame then it's like realization and then finally it's like desperation. And I think a lot of people never get to like the point of desperation because they don't allow themselves to because they just fill it with a different void or fill that void with something else. You know what I mean? And so Mm -hmm. they kind of always, they get like to the denial, they get to the anger, they get to the resentment and then like the victim. And then they find something to kind of arbitrarily fill that space. And then it just like resets the process all over again for them where you know, if, if you think, really think about it, if we, if we allow ourselves to go through, which is hard because as humans, like the idea of failure, the idea of long-term suffering or any kind of, you know, time, time sensitive suffering, like it feels so, you know, it feels so like counterintuitive to our human nature because we're, we're designed to survive and fix things. But I think if a lot of people just allow themselves kind of like we've both gone through and both talked a lot, like you have to get all the way through to the point of desperation because then desperation forces you to make a change or, you know, it forces us to have creativity to, to the, to a solution. And for a lot of people, and I'm speaking more to myself than anything, like that was what I constantly did is I constantly took myself up into the point of like the victim mentality. And then I would just shift to something else. Mm -hmm. But it's like, finally, after like, for me, what it was, it was kind of the same scenario in a different way or a different shell happening again and again to me where I finally had to realize like, okay, yeah, these things still have components of it that are contributed by other people, but there's still a component of it that continues to make the same situation happen because of something that I'm doing. 
you know, and I had to get to finally a point for myself. And I know this is something that, you know, you and I have talked about before. Um, and it was kind of funny cause you know, not funny, but interesting how a lot of the pain that I had gone through with some transitions was like almost like a year to date before you had gone through similar things. And I remember us talking one time and being, you, I think you had texted me this big long thing and you were basically just blaming other people, which was the stage you were in. And I think we talked on the phone or texted back. I can't remember. And I think I finally said to you, and this is something I had to say to myself and other people had to say around to me too, was dude, whether those other people contributed to that or not, like you have to stop blaming other people. And I think that's the point that a lot of people can't get to, or just for some reason, we just can't get to the point where we, can look in the mirror and say, dude, it's, it's you, you know? And for you, like when, when you kind of got to that point of being able to look yourself in the face and, and say that to yourself, like, what did that bring for you? Like, what, what, what was that? What was that period? Like, I think when I first was able to kind of say that to myself, it kind of takes a lot of weight off of your shoulders because it almost puts blinders on you. Like when you talk sure. about just competing in CrossFit, like looking in different lanes, seeing what everyone else is doing, wondering what they're doing, wondering what they're all about. It kind of shuts that off and kind of just lets you focus on controlling what you can and right. dealing and dealing with that first and not, not even worrying about what Susie, Tom and whoever are doing. You're focusing on yourself and you can do what you can and the universe is going to roll some punches at you and you better dive duck dip dive and dodge you know your way out of it and mm-hmm. you can only do what you can in those moments and i think that just once you realize that you can only control what you can control your life becomes so much easier because you don't worry about the small stuff about like traffic or a flat tire or this or that because you mm-hmm. can you really can only control what you can control and i think the thing with that too is is a lot of times the I think the danger, the danger of getting to a point of saying you can only can control what you can control is that we're then, I think people then sometimes say that and then they get discouraged because a short time after something else happens again. And that's not to say that when you get to a point of understanding that, Hey, I can only control what's in my control, that shit's not still going to happen. But oh, now, absolutely. It, now it allows you an ability to have the skills or the tools to deal with that as it happens. So for you, like, you know, you, you know, you guys were at another gym, so you and Miranda met and then kind of transitioned from there. Now you're down in Texas and everything like what in the last year and a half, like what do you guys do now or what do you do for yourself when, when you get to that point? Like how do you deal with struggle or pain or or stress differently than you would have a year ago? Uh, I think I think a year ago, a lot of it was it was a lot of anxiety dealing with what we had to deal with every single day. And just, it was very fight or flight. We we're very high levels of stress in that point. We didn't really have, as you say, the tools to kind of cope with that. We kind of would just get into like cycles of bitching and complaining and being like, Oh, this and that, like, what the fuck are they doing? And I think it just came to the point where it's like, well, we can do whatever the hell we want to do. Like, why are we still here? Why, mm-hmm. why are we still associating with this, with this when we don't even want to be a part of this when there's there's just so many things that we disagree with or aren't aligning with as the vision foretold just now i think we've come to a good place of focusing solely on ourselves and leaning on each other in a lot of circumstances and i think that's the biggest thing is just being able to lean on each other now more 
especially since we're all alone out here in Houston, Texas, me, her, and the pup. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about that, too, is that, you know, as, you know, you, th- you think, like, you, know, you think back to, like, and I think about, like, Logan Gelbrick writes about in his book, and it's not even really his idea. He's just taking other people's idea and hit, and putting his narrative on it. But, you know, the idea of, like, uh, stage three and four, stage three is the empirical mind where we see things as, as kind of doctrine or dogmatic, and we get into this position where, like you're saying that we both went through, it's like, well, if you're not for me, then you're against me. Mm. You know, whether that's if you're something I believe in or not believe in, or um, the way you dress, the way you decide to spend your time, your money, your effort, the way you treat other people, or even just the ideas that you have. And then when those kind of blow up in our face, much like Erickson's, you know, theory of variability, like if you're completely rigid on one thing, when that one thing fails, you have nothing to fall back upon, and then the whole system fails. Where if we're in chaos, nothing's ever growing or going anywhere because it's all just all over the place. And so I think a lot of like going from the empirical mind is it starts to pull you. And the scary thing is, is once you go from like your kind of your beliefs or what you thought your identity was gets a little crushed, then you are in chaos a little bit, and that's an emotional, very emotional place to be. But it's like. Then stage four is is the self-authoring mind. So you start to learn that, hey, everything that I thought was either right or wrong, well, whether it's right or wrong, there's a piece from it that can apply across the board to this person or that person or this situation versus that situation. And there's something to be told and to be learned from every side of the coin for every situation. And the problem with that is that, that now you're, you know, you're in that variability situation. You're in the situation. Well, not everything is black and white. Everything is now gray, which can be confusing. But now what it allows you to do is look at the things that you've done for yourself that either prohibited you or that helped you grow. And you can say, Oh, okay, I can't be like that anymore because I won't be able to grow this way. Or, hey, I don't need to do that thing because it doesn't matter. It doesn't apply to this. And I think that that for a lot of people, just getting to that point can be, it's a great, it's a great point to get to, but it can be very confusing. And, you know, obviously for you and I, and, you know, for you, you've, you've kind of come to this place where you're starting to see the world a little differently for you. Like, what strength do you kind of take away every day from being able to see both sides of the coin? But at the same time, what are the things that kind of hinder you since you don't see things so black and white? Um, the biggest, the biggest strength I'll probably, I probably take from that would just be, it's very, very hard to be mad at people. It's very, very hard to, mm-hmm. to get frustrated in this moment because I know that they're trying their best because everyone only knows what they know and they only have the tools that they have. And like, Sure. You can't you can't blame them for that because they are in that moment trying their best. I can't remember who says that, but there's there's some author. She has a book in, about it. I'm yeah, it's, her uh, name. it's Dr. Danae Brown. She says that people are pe- people don't know they're only doing the best with what they have. Mm. You know, and, yeah. And I don't I don't even know if she's the one that says it, but she talks about that a lot. I think yeah, it, that kind of goes with that line of just being able to see everything that I can see and read the room, how I can read the room. It just, I'm not trying to go with that. Just talking about the strength of it. That's the strength, strength portion of it, where you're able to, like you're saying, you're able to see, see the argument and kind of meet people across the table versus just staying on one side of the table, which is the strength of that. What do you feel like for yourself? Like what's the weakness of, of that, of that skill 
Uh, definitely the biggest struggle with that is letting people down or like uh, being frozen by the fact that you know what you're going to do may not affect them the best or mm. maybe it's almost, it almost makes me feel a little bit selfish if I'm doing something when I know like say I could cover a class but then like I haven't really done anything with my family or taken Miranda out on a date or anything like that it makes me almost feel bad because I know I feel like I'm letting them down because I can sure. see their side of mm-hmm. needing that help. Right. Like you're saying, it's, it's, it's frozen in a moment of, well, there's not necessarily no right or wrong, but the problem is, is that one thing is going to be lost and one thing will be gained. It's just making the choice one way or the other. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, I think for a lot of people, especially when we're in a point of growth and I, I see a lot of people start to hit this point, like in, you know, like in year, like 23 through 25, when, there's a lot of opportunity that's out there because for most people, you're, you're pretty much done with school. If you went to school for like a master's program or something like that, or other people are finally kind of figuring out what they want to do with their life or the career they want to be in or the re- whether they want to be serious about a relationship or not. And that's, I think that's a big stage to get through. And it's a big stage that a lot of people, a lot of people end up, I think, hanging out in that stage for longer than they expect because it's just so hard. Like you said, you're so you're so frozen in the fear of like the what if, you know, it's, and it's like, uh, I've talked about this before where I believe in three stages of fear, past, current and future. And I think that one of the most struggling moments of fear can be current fear because it's literally, you're standing in the middle of, of a turnway and there's eight different ways you could go and not necessarily any of them is wrong, but there's still going to be consequences depending on which one you take, you know? And and I think that that's a really, that's a really, it's a really hard stage for people to get through. And I think that once you can kind of start to get through that stage, I feel like that's when you, I feel like that's when you almost come full circle. You know, we talked about like you and I have been talking about how at one point in our life, we were both extremely selfish and everything. And then we've both come to seeing everything within kind of the semi full spectrum and then i feel like you almost get to a place that once you can start to get comfortable with being like well no i these are the decisions i'm going to make for myself it's like once you start to do that then you kind of almost regain and come back to that selfish side of yourself but now the selfish side of yourself is something that's empowering your future instead of you know degrading or or taking away from your future does that kind of make sense yeah, absolutely. I think you're kind of hitting it on the head, like you coming full circle with that stuff as opposed to selfish, egotistical and not really knowing why you're yeah. selfish and then coming back right. down to like, okay, now I have my vision laid out. I kind of know what I want to do and why I'm doing this. So you have an actual purpose behind it. Right. And I think that I think that once people can get to that point, that's when you are able to start to kind of get, and I hate using this word, but like elevated above it all, but in a way to where you can start <laughs> to see the the macro view of what's really happening, you know, because we go through these stages in our life, like you're saying, where everything, like we see it on the micro, we see it in the here and the now. And sometimes people almost use, I, I feel like sometimes people will even use the excuse of, well, I'm just living in the moment. It's like, sure, there's a purpose and a place for living in the moment, but it's not something that we can stay in for forever for everything. And I think once you can kind of grow beyond that, uh, what you're able to see in that view and obviously what you and you and I are starting to see with, our relationship and the situations we're in, but also what we're starting to see with what's happening with Ruthless and our company and how things are finally growing and things like that. But it's like the time leading up to that is like one of the most 
scary, frustrating, depressing times to kind of go through. Yeah, you can either become hardened and pissed off or depressed about it, or you can learn. You can reflect and kind of see where you've done wrong and where you've messed up. And if you're not blaming everyone else, you're gonna a better person, I think, on the other end. Right. I agree. And I think that's I think that that's just kind of the point that people have to get through is you have to get through, like we were saying, that stage of like denial and victim mentality. And once you can kind of see the other side of that, then you see that everything that has built you up to this point can serve you for a greater purpose if you allow it to, or it can completely bury you if you allow it to as well. Do you think within, within that realm, what has been the hardest thing that you've had to learn from, I guess, in the past year and a half, two years, what's the, what's your biggest thing that you've had to overcome? <laughs> big question. Um, big question. Yeah, big question. <laughs> I think the first thing is, is like, I, I, I know, I know, and I knew that I, that I don't know everything and it's not my job to know everything or to be good at everything. I think, I think for me, it was not so much the idea of the willingness to ask for help, but it was having to learn the maturity of how, how to ask for help in a way that allowed me to still learn from it versus just trying to hand a situation over to somebody. Cause you know, I mean, for the longest time, um, you know, there was a point at one point at one company I was working for where I was, you know, designing the programs, coaching the majority of the classes, being the face of the facility, doing a bunch of other things. And, you know, it it was great because it allowed me to grow and learn from that. But because of that, there was other responsibilities that I was given that I neglected because I justified getting what I thought was important done versus asking for help or asking for the direction to say, Hey, I can't do all these things and do these things. How do I, what do I give up and what do I put effort in and, or can you help me decide that? And I think that that's where I've grown a lot is that, you know, now sometimes I'll just sit with Jade and I'll just be like, Oh, okay. So shit next month, I've got this, 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 and this, and I don't know how to get half of it done in the right way or the right time. And she'll go, well, hey, don't forget that So this person, this person, that person can do that. Or this doesn't need to get done right now. This doesn't need to get done right now. And so I think a lot of the learning from that for me has just been like, A, everything will happen in time as long as I just don't stop working. I think that a lot of times with that, not only asking for help, we can also get caught up in the idea of, well, if I'm not just always working, it just won't happen. When the reality is if maybe if we step back and we work a little less on things, but work work on them in a way that's actually more given with direction direction versus just given with passion, that both passion and direction can serve each other, but they have to serve each other in a way to where they, you know, can can kind of almost work simultaneously versus one thing's just being done out of necessity. And then on the flip side, this, everything over here is only being done of passion. I think once you can kind of find the happy road in between that purpose and passion and, and, and drive and, and everything, then you can start to see what's really worth your time and what's not. And that, and that goes for relationships that goes for the way you spend your money. It goes for the way that you design and build things. It goes into a lot of things, you know, um, like take like Elon Musk, for instance, he, warned his team on this most recent SpaceX launch 
that something I can't remember what, but that something was too much and that he was worried about he was worried about it, but he let his team kind of go in on the passion that they wanted to go in on and it it the launch failed, you know what I mean? And I think a lot of times that's what can happen in that in when we get to that stage is that we can we can have learned so much and grown so much that we think that we now can just pour all of the all of the maturity that we have into one given thing. But sometimes if we don't step back and, and ask ourselves like, Hey, is that worth my time? Hey, can I really do this? Hey, do I just need to actually simply ask for help? I think that's the point I've come to now is like going like, Hey, ruthless needs to have this and I could do it. But I also have people on my team that could do it, that are probably do a better job of it than me. It's not wrong for me to ask, you know, and part of what stops me is, well, can I provide this person for, the return on their investment. It's like, that's okay. If I just give the person something I know that they're going to be proud of, the rest of it will come because I'm able to put time towards the things that matter for me, you know? And so that's, that's kind of where it's brought me to in a way is just learning to take a step back, but in a step back in a way that allows me to just have more direction versus less, maybe less tenacity with something. I don't know if that's the right word. I think, I think you're hitting it pretty much on the head. It's kind of goes how Jocko Willick talks about prioritize and execute when it comes down, when you're right. kind of, when kind of shit's hitting the fan and you don't know what the fuck to do next, prioritize and execute. All right. This needs to be taken care of than this, than this, than this. And I think that's a great system to go through life, through relationships, through anything, because everyone has a plan till they get punched in the face. Right. And I think that was my biggest problem for the longest time is that I was just doing everything all the time and not, and I was missing the things that were falling apart. And then I'd notice something that I'd have to like, it's like the, it's like the picture of the man trying to spin a thousand dishes. And he's running all around all the different dishes, like trying to keep them up and shit. Yeah, exactly. It's like, that's what I was doing, you know, with my marriage, with my business, with everything else I was trying to do. And and I was doing it in a way that's like, well, if I keep just doing these things, they're all going to pay off. But it's like, the more I kept with that, the more things actually started to fall apart. And that's mm. when I was, that's when I started to be like, well, man, you know what? Clearly this, I've been doing this for years. This isn't working. I need to maybe just take a step back. And it's like, once I talk, took that step back, it's like, you know, I mean, shit, like get to breathe. This, <laughs> you need to breathe. But in this, I mean, like just take, for instance, like I took a step back finally after in this last month and like just looked at what I had going on and be, had I not taken a step back, like I wouldn't have been able to make some of the decisions and, not to like brag or anything, but because of stepping back, like within like a six day period, I was able to let go of some things and pick up some other things that mattered. And I added almost $1,800 to my monthly income. You know, what I mean? you know what I mean? And it's like, now that I'm doing less, my family is going to be better. The time that I'm able to give to you guys on the team is going to be better, so on and so forth. And so I think for a lot of people, when you get to a certain point of maturity in life, the downside of that is when you first gain that maturity it's like you have the you have this fire to just go do it and just to go you know rape and pillage and sorry for anybody who takes that the wrong way i mean but i mean it's just like you have this you have this spirit now it's like man i've I've learned all these life skills i can just go plunder and take what's mine and be happy but the reality is, is you still have to learn that the next step of that maturity like you're saying is prioritizing before you execute because it's really easy to try to execute on something because that's the fun shit but oh, it's, yeah. prioritize, it's prioritizing that I think is the is the energy suck for a lot of people because then it gets it gets hard because then you you when you prioritize you start to see man maybe I really do have to let go of that thing even though I love it but it's only it's going to pay off and I think that 
that, you know, the last part of that, of Logan's Gelbrick's process is step number five, which is, which is the self-transformative mind. And the self-transformative mind is when you finally understand what really matters and you can start to create, create the life that you want. And I think that that's the stage I'm trying to get to. Uh, stage five, he talks about is kind of ever, ever, you know, elusive, so to speak. Um, but if we can work towards that once we've gotten past the self-authoring part, then we can start to really create the lives that we want for ourselves, which, you know, you and you and Miranda are kind of in that process and you're getting there. I'm Jade and I are finally getting there. And I think, I think that's, what's going to be fun about these conversations is just being able to share with other people, how we're getting there and, and things of that nature. Pumped about it. Pumped about it. That's, pumped that's the it. fucking, that's the fucking <laughs> deep end. So, but uh, yeah, man, I, I'm excited. I, I'm going to, you and I are going to figure out, We'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll uh, um, alternate topics a little bit on who's kind of driving the topic, but I think the biggest thing I want anybody who's listening to this to get away from the, to get from this is the fact that like you know everybody goes through it all. It's just the cliche version. I think is just what you're going to do with it. You know, I don't think that sometimes looking at things versus you know well what did you gain from it? I think sometimes what you take away from it is that what did you let go? What were you able to let go of? Mm. And then from being able to let go of something now, what are you able to have the freedom to take risks on? You know, Gary, I was listening to Gary Vee talk about it last night. He was talking about money and business, but he's like, you know, if you can downsize your life to be in a position where you're able to jump in and be willing to drown, he's like, that's the position you want to get into. He's like, cause if you're able to downsize your life, to to prioritize your life like you're saying and then then take the risks to be able to like you know what i now have the ability to go in all, all in on this and yeah maybe there's the risk of that drown but the upside is to uh, to it is that i swim and survive and i think that that's what a lot of people have to go through to get to that position sink or swim motherfuckers sink or swim <laughs> motherfucker be in that deep end for days for days so um yeah but what you know for you like what what are you hoping that people took take away from this episode? Uh, hope they get to get to know where we're coming from a little bit. I think a lot of people sure. may still have the misconception that we're just kind of <laughs> fitness coaches. <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean. You know what I mean by that. Like I don't. Yeah. I don't think they know. I don't think they know, Michael. They just think we're big big dicks swinging. <laughs> E- egotistical mole fuckers mole fuckers yeah no i agree and i think you know the thing that i like about a lot of the times when you and i get to meet whenever we're around each other we meet new people um we you and i i think have experienced that together too where people kind of meet us and you know we see people kind of get big chested when they first meet us and then after they talk to us for about 10 minutes they're like man these guys are just sappy like emotionally driven. We cry all the time. We cry a lot. <laughs> but then, but the fun thing is, is it allows people to see that like, we really just care about people and, uh, you know, and that's a, that's what's making our business successful and, and the, and the word that we're spreading there, which will be really fun for camp coming up in August. But Let's go. Uh, yeah, I hope, I hope I agree with you though. I hope that, that people start to see the bigger picture of what we really do and what we're trying to do outside of, obviously just keep people fit and sexy as fuck seek death but, um, bro but it's uh you know we're, we're we really are living our core values and trying to you know enrich empower and optimize not just the way people feel but also the way people think so absolutely couldn't have said it better myself mikey yeah yeah boy <laughs> 
All right. Well, everybody, uh, thanks for listening. We uh, This will be publishing tomorrow, Monday. So if you're listening to it, coming at you for your Monday. Otherwise, tune in now every Monday on the Good Vibes Only Show and get a taste of the deep end and jump jump in with us. So Rob, Rob Dog, uh, it was good to talk, brother. And nice we'll, talking, uh, Mikey. We'll 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 get, keep this rolling. Get people get people in the deep end with us. Hell yeah! Welcome to the deep. All right, we'll talk to you later, buddy. Later.